I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. Uh, my name is Pete. This is Dave. Hi, Pete. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Um, welcome to episode three of Friends with Friends, where we uh, overly analyse and dissect an episode of the wonderful sitcom Friends. Um, already, we have been through my favourite episodes and Dave's favourite episode. Uh, we've only gone and got ourselves a friend, haven't we, Dave? It's the first friend on Friends with Friends, which uh, as a, a brand identity thing is quite useful to have it at this stage, I think. I agree. Should we say hello to our friend? Please do. This very much feels like a children's television show at the moment. <laughs> we've got a friend. Shall we meet the friend? Uh, yeah, it's the first um, guest on Friends with Friends and it's exciting. And it is the wonderful Helen Monks. Hello. Uh, Helen is a friend of ours. She's an excellent actor. Comic. Well, how would you describe your oh God job? I'd say I do a lot of watching Bargain Hunt. Yeah. <laughs> That's quite similar to us. Is Bargain Hunt your favourite of all the Dave Time TV programmes? Dave Time TV <laughs> programmes. I'd say it's good because it's on at around peak time, lunchtime. I mm. tend to have a big bowl of spaghetti and think, well, at least I'm not on Bargain Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Helen, let's let's talk about Friends. I love Friends okay, more than any TV show in the whole history. Of, that is genuinely the truth. I mean, but isn't that the case for most people ever? That is very much the premise of us doing this podcast, isn't it, Pete? We feel like it's the broadest possible audience. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like if, if, if someone ever tells me that they, they don't watch Friends or in some cases have never seen Friends, mm. I immediately have quite a strong distrust for that person. It's one of those things that people say to be cool or like an outsider, though, because I remember yeah. friends at school, their thing was, I do not like Friends. And then we caught them secretly watching Friends and they love Friends. They just pretended that they didn't like how people pretend they don't like Coldplay. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think it's the best show in the whole history of time. Because I, well, I remember when I was at school, I used to get home and on E4 it would be on um, 6 till 7... No, five till six, and then on E4 plus one, the same two episodes, six till seven. Then there'd be this like dark period where I just sit and stare at a wall, seven till eight. And then eight till nine, they do the same two episodes again on E4. And then nine till 10, the same two episodes on E4 plus one. So I would watch the same two episodes four times in one evening. And that was five days a week. I just was completely, I think that's probably why I did really badly at school. Because <laughs> I was just like, but I like to think it was a little home education in the world of comedy. I feel like an intervention is needed at this stage. This has become more of a cry for help than an analysis of a TV show. Oh, it's just great though, isn't it? Although I realised, um, trying to think of my favourite episode for this and re-watching it, that actually you you can just go long periods forgetting about it and then you rediscover it mm. and cry. With happiness. Both really. 
Which brings us neatly onto uh, Helen's favourite episode, which is chosen for us to uh, dissect today. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just going to interject here before she tells us what we are going to talk about, because the first episode she texted me yeah. was... The one where Ross is fine, which of course was Pete's favourite episode. I was so annoyed. And I mocked Pete for that. I know, why? That's ridiculous. I think I think Dave was surprised because it was a series 10 episode mm. and series 10 is mm. kind of when they're just tying up loose ends, but Ross is in his prime in, uh, in season 10. And I think that's one of the big misunderstood things as well about Ross. In my eyes, he is the best character. And I know that is controversial, particularly in the feminist world, because he is a complete creepy misogynist, creep, creep, creepster. (laughs) (laughs) He is horrendous. But that's why he's so funny, because he's really recognisable. That boyfriend who won't leave you alone and won't accept the fact you've broken up. And that guy who, like, literally in the episode I've chosen, attacks two women in the street. (laughs) When I rewatched this episode after uh, you picked it as your favourite, I think it is possibly, and this is really saying something for him as a character, possibly (laughs) Ross's most unhinged episode. (laughs) I don't know, though, the one where Ross is fine. You're right, though. That's probably why my mind went straight to this one, because they're the two where you properly see the truth of Ross, which is an unstable, uh, suppressed man who who assaults women. Well, and do you know what? Do you know what the moral of the story is, guys? If you do that for 10 years, (laughs) you get the girl. (laughs) She got off the plane. She got off the plane to be with him forever. So that's, you know, it's a a really nice moral lesson for us all to learn. So tell us what what is the episode that we're going to talk about today? It is the one with Unagi, Sam and Skimmel. Which is season six, episode 17, is that right? That sounds right, yeah. Let's start, as we do, always by just giving you a brief plot overview of the episode, (laughs) just in case you haven't watched it for a while and so you know which one we're talking about. Uh, Here is the official Wikipedia plot summary of the one with Unagi. Joey's financial needs aren't being met by his job at the coffee house, so he looks into politics. <laughs> <laughs> what are you laughing at? You're laughing that I stumbled on the first sentence. No, no, I'm laughing at the synopsis of the episode. <laughs> That's a sign of a good sitcom. You laugh yeah. before anything's even happened. <laughs> so, so Joey's financial needs aren't being met by his job at the coffee house, so he looks into participating in another medical study. The only one available is for identical twins, but it pays so much that Joey can't resist, so he hires another actor to play his twin brother. Meanwhile, Rachel and Phoebe are taking a self-defence class, but Ross feels they don't have Unagi, a state of total awareness in which he can be prepared for any danger. He startles them in the hallway to prove his point, which sets off an ongoing competition of pseudo-attacks. And finally, Chandler and Monica plan to celebrate Valentine's Day late by making gifts for each other. Chandler can't make anything and Monica forgets until the last minute. Chandler gives Monica a customised tape of music which was actually a previous gift from Janice. Monica gives him a sock puppet that Phoebe made. Uh, Should we start with the Chandler and Monica plotline? Oh wow, controversial. Yeah, I'm going to go a different way around. Um, So, I mean, my, my first takeaway from this was Nobody questions why Phoebe's just suddenly started making sock puppets. It is quite crowbarred in that she's made this sock puppet in order for it to come back as a, a present for Monica to give later, isn't it? It's, it's very, uh, not a very subtle way of setting that up. As a bit of a plot device, they just go, uh, Chandler goes, I've got to make something. Has anyone been making anything recently? And she's literally got it in her handbag. <laughs> if, hypothetically, one of your friends suddenly said, I've started making sock puppets... 
and got the creepy rabbit out of their bag, you wouldn't just... Everyone just goes, oh, all right. Yeah, it's very you okay, hun, isn't it? But she does it later in that very same scene where she literally makes reference to the fact that she used to be homeless and beg for money and everybody just goes, anyway. Um. <laughs> so what happens is Chandler's got to make a present for Monica, okay? And yep. he cannot make anything. He has two attempts of making something himself. <laughs> Both of which revolve around coat hangers. Yeah, coat hangers and cups, isn't it? Coat hangers. And, and in the scene where he's making the coat hanger cup combination, he, um, he throws his thing that he attempted to make onto the floor and then leaves the flat. So what does Monica think <laughs> has been happening? There is a whole stack of plastic cups and a coat hanger attached to one of them, just like strewn across the floor. And the reference to her always being obsessively clean is always like handed home. So how come this one time she just goes, Meh. Sure, yeah. Like, Chella, what the hell have you been doing in our living room? Yeah, that's a good point, isn't it? He doesn't investigate any other items in his I mean does A he doesn't go out to buy anything to make stuff with. He just thinks, what can I find around the flat? And all that apparently they own a coat hangers. I think there was some kind of miscommunication around the writer's table where two people came up with the coat hangers idea and didn't communicate <laughs> that they'd both already done it. He he shoves two pencils in a cup and then shoves a <laughs> coat hanger in the cup, doesn't he? That's that's what he makes. He calls it a he calls it a flagagler. <laughs> he calls it two different things, yeah. doesn't he? There's one time where he kind of refers to it as a flagagler's, yeah, and then afterwards it comes back as a completely different word, uh, but... uh, like a fafafafler. Yeah. Do you think they were filming it one on a Monday and one on a Friday? See, this genuinely used to annoy me as a kid when I watched this episode because they're such different words. And they're so immediate. It's the scene that follows. And the whole setup of the joke is, oh, so that's what a... And they don't even get it right. That's what I mean. But just because it's a made up word, it's, it's the equivalent of him saying, oh, I'll just make a packet of crisps. And then three seconds later, making something goes, oh, my God, this really is a sausage. Like, it's just a <laughs> different you know, word. Exactly the same thing happens. The failure of the joke setup happens in the same scene where in the scene before, Joey makes reference to um, crotchless panties. Mm. And then out of the trunk, Chandler gets a bra instead of scissors. <laughs> As though, the, and, it's a, and it's a callback to the crotchless panties, but yeah. in his hand, he's holding a bra. Is he? Well, if, if, if they are panties, they look so much like a bra that you're, you spend the whole time going, is that a bra? Or is that, that the joke doesn't land. You, you're going, were they trying to do this setup? Everything? So no. what we decided is this episode of Friends was filmed maybe six months of they filmed the first <laughs> half in January. They forgot they'd not finished it. And in June they went, Does anyone <laughs> should we check the jokes or should we just <laughs> Just carry I think, on? I think I remember it being a nippleless bra <laughs> and a fluffle fluffle. The uh, the thing with what Chandler eventually does give, he finds a mixtape, doesn't he, which happens to be in the back of the wardrobe. Mm. Mm-hmm. I actually think he gets lucky that there was even something like a mixtape, <laughs> which also has some quite romantic music. Monica says, oh, does it have uh, the way you, you look that? tonight? And incredibly, it does. He's found a cassette <laughs> in his wardrobe, and incredibly, it has the exact song that she mentions with some vaguely romantic music on it. So he doesn't check it. 
he immediately gives it to her. So he's found a tape. But even worse than that, there's then a huge delay between him giving her the tape and her actually playing the tape of about a week. Yeah, yeah she makes a go. reference to how many days later it is. It's like, yeah. oh, I thought we could try this. I think she says day three of the meal she's cooking for him. Yeah, well, exactly. You think, right, well, got away with that. Better go away and now actually make, make the tape. tape. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be winning. You'd be laughing. Just but... needs a couple of hours to knock together a tape that's just got the way you look tonight on it. <laughs> and no Janice. That's all he needs. It's a total low goal by Chandler here, isn't it? He, yeah. he, he could have avoided this. But also, on that point, so he gets rumbled about the tape when Janice comes on and starts saying, Happy birthday! And who does that? Yeah, I used to make mixtapes all the time, and I never once Aww. did a radio-style voiceover. And you're compensating it for it now with your career, don't you think? <laughs> Maybe that's how you missed out. Oh, God. Let's not... Look too deep into that. And the technology, because she records over it, but the music is still underscoring. Whereas my memory of how you'd record over tapes would, you'd record over it and then that would be erased forever and have your voice over it trying to <laughs> yes, sing along. good point. Well, I used to really annoy my parents <laughs> doing that. Despite <laughs> the fact that it's a really basic mixtape on a cassette, <laughs> Janice seems to have some sort of home studio setup <laughs> where she can overdub her voice. She's really gone all out, hasn't she? Yeah. She's, she's gone all out for Chandler. So the real moral of this story is Janice is very good at homemade presents. Well, but this is, I think, also one of the reasons it's my favourite episode because all of the best episodes of Friends, my argument is, have Janice in them, which is why, you know, plot-wise, I forgive them for that clunky thing of, oh, she recorded over it because at least then we get to hear Janice singing, my bunny valentine. <laughs> sure, the, the whole, the, the kind of like inherently funny thing about Janice is her voice, isn't it? That's the exactly. main, her voice in her laugh. So it is a way of adding to that story and getting her Imagine being Maggie Wheeler in that situation and just getting a call going, can you record 10 seconds of audio for us? <laughs> I bet she got million paid dollars. a shitload yeah. for that, yeah. I think she's a deeply misunderstood character, but that's a note for another that's podcast. conversation for a different episode, isn't it? <laughs> sum it. that up. No, while well, we've got a Janice mention, sum that up. Why do you think she's deeply misunderstood? I don't know if anyone can explain why she's so irritating and why they all find her so irritating. I think somewhere there's a sitcom in Janice's story, which is she's friends with six incredibly superficial, shallow, exclusive, <laughs> horrible people. Well, and just because she's got a bit of an annoying voice, yeah. they think she's the devil. Yeah. I mean, she is a bit mad, isn't she? Um, there's that bit where she she talks about Chandler calling out to her like a foghorn. Janice. Mm. But, <laughs> but then there's the bit like when Monica and Chandler are getting married where... Um, Janice invites herself to stay over and misses all these really basic social hints about the fact she's not invited to the wedding. Do you remember? And they're like, oh, it's going to be a very close ceremony and it's only family. And she's like, oh, do you consider me family? It's like, no, 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 no. Come on, yeah, stick with it. Yeah, but you see, it. again, I think that's her being a lovely, open, friendly person and them just being knobs where they're like, she's not invited because she's got big hair and an annoying voice. And also, I guess she's Chandler's ex-government. All right, okay, maybe my argument is flawed. She's just not part of the clique, is she? She's not part of the clique and they don't really respond to her because of that. I guess. But this is the whole problem with friends is they're all so exclusive. Mm. They're horrible people. <laughs> they are. They're horrible, shallow, and they're all misogynist. Like, the main thing going back rewatching this is the uh, level of sexism and misogyny in Friends is really, really staggering. <laughs> really staggering. <laughs> but isn't that credit to its comedy that we love it anyway? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're, we're willing to let that all go. It somehow manages to make it warm and friendly, doesn't it? Despite the fact that there's some pretty dark stuff in there, like in this episode with Ross's plotline, which we'll uh, come on to in a bit. Well, let's move on to that now, shall we? Oh, yes, please. It's the Unagi plotline. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Right, so... In um, the first episode of this series, we talked about your favourite episode, Pete, and we talked about the plot line where Phoebe meets up with Frank Jr. and he basically says, do you want one of my kids? <laughs> and we talked yes. about how casually that was brushed off as a sort of normal thing that a human might say. Yeah. I would argue the Unagi plot line of this episode falls into a similar <laughs> category because as Helen's already mentioned, Ross literally spends the entire episode not at work why is nobody at work for the whole week and why has he spent his entire free time attacking women both his friends and strangers yeah sure there are two innocent victims in this as well two random women who he uh, ambushes at the end isn't there Mm. And not only is he just attacking them, he seeks professional help from a man that runs a self-defence class in the best way to attack them. But even more dark and further back than that, this whole idea that he has any kind of expertise on professional karate, um, which has just come from nowhere, suddenly he's an expert in that. And also, since when do Rachel and Phoebe go to (laughs) self-defence classes? This is the thing about all of them, though, because... Ross in this episode, after he's mentioned Unagi the first time, there's a bit where Ross is in his flat. Chandler comes in through the door behind him and Ross goes, Chandler, I sensed it was you. <laughs> like Ross has always been this kind of wise martial arts. Like that's been a big hobby for him. Suddenly, this is a big part of who Ross is. But that's literally the first note I made was, why is Ross suddenly a big self-defense expert? <laughs> yes. Because they basically just come in and go, we've been to a self-defense class. Again, no one questions why. Like... Has something happened? I know, yeah, are you like, okay? Are you okay? Is this like is a real problem in your life? Fine. And then suddenly Ross goes, oh, well, as the expert, let me tell you, you're doing it all wrong. Also, why does everybody know that unagi is a type of fish? <laughs> a type of salmon skimmel? Where, how come, and literally everyone, because later on he says it to Chandler, ooh, unagi, and he goes, isn't that a type of fish? Did you know that was a type of fish? No, and actually, I had to look it up yesterday to double check 
what Unagi actually was. I didn't know if that was just a joke that they'd written in, so I had to Wikipedia Unagi. I have also Googled Unagi in the past couple of days because I didn't know whether it actually was some kind of martial arts that no one just knew about. Yeah. Or whether is Ross talking absolute bullshit. And from what I can see... It's a freshwater eel, and it, it has nothing to do with martial arts in the slightest. Um, Unagi is a character in the video game Super Mario 64. It is the title of the 1997 Japanese film The Eel. Probably does the same. Um, and then there's a few other references. For example, it's also the code name for the media playback engine in the Winamp core technology. Who knew? Of course. And then the only reference to it as a martial art at all is um, its reference in... The seventeenth episode of the sixth season of Friends. <laughs> so this has absolute no basis in fact or history wonder, or cultural references I think, at I all. I think until this point, I always assumed that it would be some sort of martial art, and that I just didn't know about it, or it was just really niche. But it's not, is it? It's it's just Ross making it up. I also love that it's, uh, or to quote the, the great Ross Geller, it's not something you are, it's something you have. You see, that annoys me because <laughs> I think it should be the other way around. I think they should say, do, say we have Unagi and he should say it's not something you have, it's something you are. Yeah. Don't you think that would make so much more, that would be funnier. They just, they keep <laughs> missing these, they set them up. I think they were tired, they'd had too much caffeine. So you, what we're realising is your favourite episode is categorically the worst episode of Friends that's ever been written or produced because they made so many grievous errors and just made up words. Yes, and we will come on to it in a minute, but I was thinking it's, it's ironic that it's my favourite episode when it's also, well, second favourite episode, when it's also got one of the worst plots in the history of Friends, which is Joey twin whatever is happening they honestly I can just see them sitting around the writers table going oh so we've come up with that we've come up with that what is Joey going to do for this whole episode I know he's going to hire a man to be his identical twin fine terrible but we'll come on to that in a minute but let's just round off the old Ross plotline first yeah so the reason this is my favourite episode is literally for the last 40 seconds and I'm sure people will argue with me on this, but I think uh, David Schimmer does the best double take in the whole history of television when he's running away from the two women yeah. he believes to be Rachel and Phoebe and then he sees the real Rachel and Phoebe in the window of Central Park, but only has a split second to appreciate that before he has to continue running away from the people who are now chasing him. I just think... It is a it, masterclass. It, it? it gets away with all the other... <laughs> pitfalls and comedy holes it digs itself into with that last 40 seconds it's genius and a wonderful Ross moment a few moments before that in the episode as well where he is uh, ambushed by Phoebe and Rachel from behind the curtains and he does this remarkable high-pitched scream as well (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) which is the exact same scream he does um, when he's just been on sabbatical you remember he's buying his apartment and yes, they, they've yeah. just seen Monica and Chandler having sex in the opposite <gasps> window. Yeah. And they just go, ah! And it's the exact same scream. Oh, so Ross scream, screams? <laughs> screams exactly the same in terror and delight. Ross also has a whole conversation with Chandler in the time that Phoebe and Rachel are apparently still behind these curtains. And Chandler walks in on Ross while he's just mucking about in his flat. So 
Phoebe and Rachel have been there a very long time before those kids. Yes, I was going to say exactly that. When Chan- but also, Ch- Chandler, why is he not at work? He's just walking around trying to find a handmade present for Monica. And also, again, just unbelievable they get away with this. He goes, Ross, have you got anything? And he goes, actually, yes, I've got an exact replica of Apollo. Is it Apollo 12? <laughs> <laughs> and they literally do that so they can set up the gag. Um, I want to say that she f- flies me to the moon. Well, you can't say that, but you can say that she <laughs> circles the moon twice before landing safely which is a great joke but I can't believe we let them get away with that (laughs) and finally uh, we've already made a reference to the very very strange circumstances Joey finds himself in Uh, he's kind of auditioning other people for the role of his identical twin so that he can enter himself and his identical but not really identical twin for medical research purposes. What he does, so it suddenly comes in very quickly that this is a really good way of making money that he hadn't thought of for, well, at least six years because we've never seen him do it. <laughs> and then he just nips down to this place and goes, can I do some medical trials today? And they're like, oh, we've not got any today, but, you know, soon. Can you do that? Is that a thing that you can actually do in real life? I mean, why are you looking at me so intensely when you ask that? <laughs> You're an actor. Do you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. When work's been quiet. But you say he's not done it in six years, but he says, oh, I can't uh, I can't give my sperm again. I'd like to save that for the home office, oh, yeah. which is, A, just what is that joke? And B, why is Joey making that? Is that a Joey joke? No. But if anyone watch it, rewatches this episode, please just watch David Schwimmer's face when he makes when he delivers that because he completely steals the thunder by just doing an appreciative nod, which I mean, yeah, I can picture the nods. See, I don't know much about doing things for medical research purposes, believe it or not. But um, Joey, Joey is very. I, I imagine most people when they go along to do this are slightly sort of embarrassed about what they are there to do. Yeah, and Joey is very. Confident and open, given he's turning up to bash one out and then go home. Well, I think he clearly does it all the time. He knows the Yeah, protocol. maybe that is why he's so confident. But then, having said that, you've got the incredibly attractive, uh, implausible receptionist um, <laughs> who he then hits on and also who tells him the information about the twin study and they both acknowledge that he is not eligible. Hmm. And then when he later comes back... She's still on the desk. She's still on the desk. <laughs> yeah. That's what, uh, so he only gets rumbled in this whole plot when the doctor... <laughs> comes to collect him to physically do the trials. So at no point in the screening process when they've checked in or in the waiting room or they've filled in any paperwork, has anyone gone? Those guys don't look anything like each other. Yeah, they, it's because they've also made an explicit reference to the fact that it needs to be identical twins. Yeah, and they kind of, of let it go on untouched without it being referenced that they clearly look nothing like each other and therefore are not identical. My favourite bit, though, is when he goes to his audition and goes, where will I find someone who looks exactly like me? And it pans out to a room full of people who look nothing like him, but are all wearing exactly <laughs> the same jacket. <laughs> See, I was going to ask you this as a professional actor. When you go to an audition, are you, are you all in the same costume every time? Yeah, I actually came straight from an audition today. I'm wearing a pineapple dress. <laughs> and is everybody wearing yeah. a pineapple dress? It was very awkward around Camden this morning. <laughs> <laughs> because A, yeah, like you say, they don't look anything like him. But B, not only have they all apparently 
made this mad decision to go dressed as the character to the audition, which I presume isn't a normal thing. No. No. They've all got the exact same leather jacket. So they've all at the last minute panicked and gone, I need a leather jacket for this work. And there's obviously some sort of discount leather jacket store downtown Manhattan that they've all just nipped by on the way to the audition. It's ins- it's it's a clinically insane scene. Yeah, it's insane. Funny, but insane. <laughs> but also it zooms out and he looks around and most people look absolutely nothing like him, but there potentially are a few people who, you know, you'd think maybe they're brothers. It then cuts to the person that he's chosen to act as his twin. And <laughs> he's about 20 years older, potentially of a, of a different ethnicity. He's gone for the person nearest him, isn't he? He's, uh, he's chatted to the person next to him and thought that'll do. We've talked about this previously, haven't we, about how stupid Joey is. And we feel we feel like Joey gets stupider as the seasons go on. So he starts off being like, he makes some quite funny jokes. Then by the end, and the episode we cited was the one where he speaks French and he can't physically differentiate Loopy between... Doobie. Yeah, he cannot, he cannot make his brain compute <laughs> the, the, the difference between what he's hearing and what he's saying, which is like, a, I'd say, a serious medical condition. <laughs> But in this episode, like you say, he's made quite a subtle, weird joke about the Home Office earlier mm-hmm. with the sperm donation. Quite intelligent. Yeah. What do um, we think? What do we think that the gag is there? Just that he likes having sex at home, isn't it? <laughs> likes donating sperm at home. But isn't it supposed to be a double meaning with the Home Office, or mm. not, is that a British? Yeah, because I was thinking Home Office is in some sort of like government building. No, no, just at home. But I think he's being really smart and he's making both He's making both points. Oh, I, I want to do it at the home office. Or is that a British... But they don't have a home office oh, in America. Oh, mate. <laughs> I think it's just... I'm he... reading... In... Then why does David Schwimmer give him that nod? Yes, that's... that's his... Right, I, I'm with you here, Helen. I was thinking that he was referring to some sort of... Oh, I say that for the home office. I thought it was some sort of joke that had gone over my head. But it makes perfect sense if he means um, having a nice time... At, at home. home. He discharges his sperm at home. But that's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's it. I think that's literally the joke. I prefer that for the home office. <laughs> it's not like a Theresa May reference. Yeah, I feel, like we're giving, I feel like we're giving Joey too much credit there. I, I feel, but it's still like, uh, it's a subtle enough joke that befits no. someone that's not as stupid as to pick a man that's 20 years his senior to be his identical twin and thinks he'll get away with it. I disagree. If his joke has been to put the words home and office in the same <laughs> sentence, then that is not a joke. He is stupid. <laughs> then that makes complete sense why he would then pick someone who looks totally not like him. Did you know it's the first line in this episode? Yes. Brilliant. Where- oh, yeah. Hey, remember when I used to... Have a pet monkey? <laughs> yeah. And then he says, what was I thinking? And that's it. That is, <laughs> that's, that's literally like the, f- the first and only time in that episode. It just feels, feels like a very out of nowhere moment of reflection from Ross, I think. And it's, it's knocked on the head as, as quickly as it comes up. It just feels like they had no way to start the episode before they walk in and say, we've just been to a self-defense class. <laughs> And Joey goes, oh, I remember when I used to do all those medical studies. Also, something that I noticed throughout this episode and have therefore noticed throughout the entire 10 series is 
notice how they sit on the sofa is always um, preemptive of who is going to come and join them. So in that very first scene, and I guess this adds to Ross's creepiness, him and Phoebe are sat so close together, even though there's only two of them on this three-person sofa. But then later in the scene, it's so that Joey can sit down next to them. And you, and this happens all the time where they're all bunched up. Yeah, yeah, they don't just bunch up. They just sit unnaturally far apart from each other I've until never noticed someone else that. happens to arrive. No, neither have I. And, and once you notice it, it's incredibly creepy how they just sit super close to each other and talk, you know, face to face. Yeah, and they've been sat there for, say, half an hour before someone else has just walked in. Yeah, so Ross is sat right next to Phoebe going, hey, remember when I used to have a monkey? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it does set up the character of creepy old Ross for yeah. the entire episode, which, makes is, a lot of sense. which is nice. All right, should we do the quiz, Pete? It's time. Oh is it God. time for the lightning rounds? It's time for the lightning rounds. Very quick. It's only five questions. I'm so scared. Just a nice way of rounding off all the... We originally called this the attention to detail quiz, but then we <laughs> renamed it, which is absolutely fine. So it's now called the lightning round based on the other thing. It's not as lightning as a real lightning round, but um, we've got five questions for you. Um, you've already answered one of them, which is annoying. So we're just going to start with that. I'm going to start with this one, Pete. Uh, what song does Janice sing on the tape? The Way You Look Tonight. No. I thought it was Lightning she Round. She doesn't sing. <laughs> I answered too quickly. Can I, can I sing? Can I do it in the form of song? My Funny Valentine. Yeah. What is there that called? Go. That is the song My Funny Valentine, oh, that's which is called. a different song. Can I get half a point? Uh, yeah, no. I'm going to say no. <laughs> Ross would be harsh with his uh, point giving out. I so know, I feel but it's Ross, only right. as we've established, is a complete creep. <laughs> we don't want to be more like Ross. Question two: uh, When they're all in the uh, in Central Park at the start, how much does Chandler tip Joey? And it's a percentage. Twenty percent. He does an extremely yes. generous tip, Correct. and he says, "Do you know it'd be more generous?" 50%. He does. <laughs> but I, if Joey is disappointed with 20%, then my God, what are some people tipping in Central Park? Yeah, but that's America it's for America. you, mate. That's America for you. When I was in New York a, a couple of months ago, I was so nervous about the tipping system that I accidentally tipped the first place 100%. <laughs> 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 you, you doubled the bill. Yeah, I literally paid the bill twice. <laughs> I also was so close. There was a woman thankfully stood next to me in the subway. I nearly paid for a subway fare with a $100 bill in the machine and it doesn't oh give you any God. change. But it's because the bills, this is so boring and a tangent, but the bills are exactly the same um, uh, size as each other, whether they're a $1 bill or a yeah. $100 bill. So because of my... Joey stupidity and slight dyslexia I just can't distinguish them there at all there is a um, slight difference between them and the numbers written on them <laughs> is what all right, is how you differentiate pants. between the, the different notes um, no but you are quite right question three <laughs> what do we discover in this episode is Chandler's third favourite meal macaroni and cheese with chopped up hot dog oh, yes astonishingly good knowledge thank you thank you well done that's two out of three. Oh. You should have had three, but you titted the oh, first one no. right up, didn't you? Oh, come you... on, half a point, guys. We'll, we'll take half a point into consideration, depending how the rest of the quiz goes. Are you going to have a leaderboard? Am I going to be at the bottom now because of my two, think, taking the lightning element too seriously? Exactly that. I will be honest, I've completely forgotten what each of us scored in the past two episodes. Ah, well, well, the leaderboard, I feel, will be an imaginary sort of side thing that does exist, but we never really reference in detail because that involves us keeping track of it. 
They are very specific questions as well. So I think you only disgrace yourself if you get naught and you've mm. already got more than that, Helen. So you're fine. Um, right. You've also already made a reference to this, but I'm going to demand a, uh, a particular answer. Ross made an exact replica of a rocket in sixth grade. But which rocket? Don't look at your notes. Don't look at your notes, monks. I don't think I wrote it. I think it's Apollo 12. I promise I didn't see it on a piece of paper. No, well, I believe that because that is unfortunately... Apollo 11! Apollo, it's not Apollo 13, Keep going. is it? Keep going, Keep going down. Keep Apollo going down. 9? No. Apollo 8? There it Yay! is! Do and I with, get that? With the magic of editing, <laughs> here's what that would have sounded like if Helen had just got it right. <laughs> Ross made an exact replica of a rocket in sixth grade. But which rocket? Follow eight. Correct. Well done. Hey. Final question of the lightning round and of the podcast. Joey hires an actor to play his identical twin. What fictional name? Carl. Joey. I've started. So I'll finish. Too much lightning. What name <laughs> does Joey give to his twin's character? Oh God. So the man's name is Carl. The man's name That's is his Carl. Real name. Is that half a point? No, stop fractionalising points. Is it something Alphonse? You're shooting with Alphonse. <laughs> it is another a kind of American-Italian name. Uh, Pacino? Pacino? No. Uh, will you give me a clue? Sounds yes, I'll like... give you a clue based on your two answers so far of Alphonse and Pacino. <laughs> it's a name <laughs> that people might guess if their brains worked properly. Al Pacino. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to be here a while. No. The answer is Tony. <laughs> it's Tony, yeah. Tony. <laughs> Pacino or Alphonse? Yeah, you were, you were way off there. Side note, by the way, I've got a uh, TV on in the studio and it just showed someone stood in front of a press board with home office written all over it, <laughs> which I will now see in quite a different way. <laughs> <laughs> you see, funny joke, if they had thought of it. Clearly, I'm just reading into comedy that isn't even there. You're way ahead. I'm You're really ahead. on too high a level. Uh, yeah. Well, you're sorting through your dollar bills, trying to work out which <laughs> one's worth more than another. Your brain just works too well, Helen. I wish I'd never told you that. <laughs> uh, that's it, everyone. No. Sorry. Can we press stop but carry on talking about friends? Yeah, that's absolutely fine. Yay. We can do that all day. Sorry, listener. You'll have to come back sometime, Helen. Pick another episode. Yes, please. Yeah. And try and get full marks on my lightning Round. There's a real inherent flaw in this um, podcast idea is that I think I think there's about 240 episodes of Friends and we don't have 240 friends. <laughs> so there will become a point where we need to start recycling Friends. Oh, that is perfect. So thank you, Helen. Thank you for sharing your, your so love much. of... I'd say love of the Unagi episode, but it, it's kind of a mixture of love and... Contempt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. It's been so fun. And we will be back next week where we discuss another Friends episode with a new friend. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Here we are then, still here. Uh, That was Helen Monks talking about her favourite episode of Friends. Next week, our guest will be Tom Price, actor, comedian and radio presenter. Hello, Tom Price. Hello there. And uh, Tom will be discussing the episode... The one with the prom video. The one, with the one with the prom video. So if you want to go away and watch that in anticipation of next week's podcast episode, so you know all the niche facts, mm. then please go and watch the one with the prom video. And we will be back next week. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.